Hey Dad, can we maybe cut your hair? I'm really bored. I'll have to think about that. Okay. A few moments later. Hey Dad, Who's I'm it? bored. Can I cut your hair? Let me think about it. Twenty minutes later. Hey Dad. Yeah. I'm bored. Can I cut your hair? Three hours later. Well guys, thanks, hope you had fun. Guess we're all done now. Wait, we're not done yet. The things I do for love. Today we're continuing our message series that we began last week for Easter called This Is Love. And, and the thing that I really want us to focus in on today and, and next week as well is this one simple fact and that is that the resurrection changed everything. The resurrection changed everything. You see, at the cross, Jesus took upon himself our sin. In fact, Scripture says that he became sin in our place. He took it to the cross. He bore our sin. He bore our shame. He paid the price for it as the sacrifice once and for all. But that wasn't the end. See, because Jesus rose... The cross means something spectacular. Because Jesus rose, we know that the cross wasn't the end. We know that the promises that Jesus gave to us in Scripture, that he is God, that he is capable of passing on life and forgiveness to us, that it is all true. The resurrection changed everything. It brought hope where there was no hope. It brought life where there was only death. Because of the resurrection, we see God's love stepping into a broken world, freeing us from sin. Because of the resurrection, we see God's love overcoming death. And because of the resurrection, we see God's love announcing that one day there will be a glorious new creation. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we see the love of God. And now when we look at Jesus, we can truly say, this is love. Now, unlike my love for my kids, which resulted in this haircut and a humorous video, God's love for you changes everything. Not just your hair, not just your family, but your very being in this very world. Today, I want to talk to you about the way in which the resurrection of Jesus is all about God conquering death. And wow, has COVID-19 brought the possibility of death so much closer to many of our minds, to the point where many of us are, are obsessive about it. The interesting thing is, though, is the risk of death, the risk of disease, it's always been there. In fact, we, we take a risk with death every time we step out of our door in the morning. 
Every time we go to work, every time we get in a car, every time we ride a plane. In fact, you risk death when you sit down for too long. Death is everywhere. It's a, a fact of the human condition. When you go to the beach, you're risking death. In fact, I just heard a very interesting story on a podcast recently. I was listening to a podcast about conservation called Cal's Weekly Review. And, and in that podcast, he brought up a snail. Yes, you heard me right, a snail. This snail is called the cone snail, or it's also called the cigarette snail. And the reason why it's called the cigarette snail is if its little harpoon-like hypodermic needle tongue thing stings you, its venom is so toxic that you'll be dead before the average person would finish smoking a cigarette. And he shared a story about a man who had small children and kept a, a fish tank. Now, if there's any, any animal, any pet that you would be, think would be totally safe to have, it would be a fish, tropical fish in a small little fish tank. And, and as it happened, this, this man was looking at his fish tank one day. He was cleaning it out, and he, he looked in the tank, and he noticed that there was a snail in it. Not a big snail, mind you. These things aren't very big, but he noticed a snail, and that was really confusing to him because he hadn't put a snail in the fish tank. So he went on to some of his aquarium forums and he posted a picture and, and explained the situation. And eventually the people in this forum identified the snail as one of these cone snails. How did it get there? Guy doesn't know. Best guess is, is that the, the snail in some sort of... Um, undeveloped state hitchhiked its way in on one of the tropical fish that he'd bought recently and then grew up in his tank until he noticed it. But here was something with the power to kill in this man's fish tank in his house with small children. See, whether or not you're somebody that I would call a, a catastrophizer, that is somebody that, that looks at every single situation, everything that could possibly go wrong in life and says, oh my goodness, the world is ending. You know, Chicken Little was a catastrophizer. Whether or not you're one of those people, we all live under a shroud of death. No one gets out of here alive. That's what the, how the saying goes, right? No one gets out of here alive. The only way off this earth is through death. What's interesting is, is in our society, the avoidance of death has become a huge industry. After all, we do everything that we can to feel, in Bob Dylan's words, forever young. Right? We, we just want to stay young. And, and this isn't something new to our culture, to our society. In fact, uh, sociologists and, and archaeologists, they tell us that, that this has existed all the way back into ancient times. We see this with Pharaoh, right? The, the, the whole process for how he was supposed to be buried and, and the, the way that they would build these elaborate tombs and all these things. It was all about leaving a legacy. It was all about finding their place for eternity with their gods. And we continue to do this today. We go out and we try to get big jobs, right? The best job, the big job, the big house, the big car. We, we try to get the, the big retirement fund, the big bank account, whatever we can. We want things that we think will live on after us, right? We want to make a big name for ourselves. We want to leave a mark. We want to carry our legacy forward. 
And somewhere in our minds, somehow, we come to the conclusion that if only we do the right things, people are going to remember us. That we're going to be able to live on somehow. Or maybe even that we get to take some of this stuff with us when we pass on from this world. I have to admit, actually, some of these things are, are not the worst thing in the world, right? Some of them are even good motivations. Wanting to leave a legacy can, can cause us to think about leaving the world a better place for future generations. That's a, a fantastic thing. But as far as defeating death or staying young forever, all these things fall woefully short. See, friends, death is the great ending, the great finality, the inescapable curtain call. And so when Jesus went to the cross on Friday, let me tell you, that was anything but good. I know we call it Good Friday because of Easter, but when Jesus went to that cross, it was not a good thing to those around him, okay? His followers were devastated, because the dream that they had held was over. Everything that they had thought was going to happen, in their minds now, it was gone. Jesus had failed. He was dead. He was, he was no longer in the picture. As his followers shared in the, the scene in the Bible, following Jesus' death and resurrection, before, but before they had found out about it, the Emmaus Road, they, they said, we had hoped that he would be the Messiah. We hoped he would be the Messiah. But now for these people, the hope is gone. Jesus was dead. If you've ever seen Les Miserables, which is uh, whether the Broadway play or the movie, I, I think there's a, a really good scene that illustrates how the disciples were feeling at this moment. It's the scene where Fantine sings, I dreamed a dream that cannot be. Just captures the heartbroken despair that the disciples felt on Friday. And so often we are tempted to rush past this moment, especially as, as Protestants, right? We're all about the resurrection. But we so often move past the crucifixion. See, the darkness and the tragedy of Good Friday capture how we often feel in life, overwhelmed by the brokenness around us, filled with discouragement or despair, and aware of the darkness and fear in our own hearts. See, to us, so often, death becomes the end of all possibilities. There's no answer for death. You and I will die. There's no answer for it at all. And what that does is it means that when we go searching for other answers in life, they all come up short because they don't solve the one final problem that we're all looking for the answer to. I think that this is a good moment for us to just break and take a few moments and go into the comments, go into the chat and share with one another, what are, what are you afraid of? Don't, don't be shy. Go ahead. Share. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of dying? Are you afraid of someone else? dying? So go ahead and consider that right now.
So we've all shared some of the things that we're afraid of in our lives there in the chat, in the comments, and I, I'm just so grateful that you had the courage to do that today. I know that there were some great things in there, and really what the point of this exercise was is so that all of us could understand that we all have fears. We're all afraid of something, and that, and that death, whether it's our death or someone else's death, is, is really a very common thing for all of us. And in some ways, you might find it a little bit depressing. And so we're faced with the question, how, how can we lift our weary heads in the face of the inevitability of death? Well, in scripture, the poet sang in the Song of Solomon, love is as strong as death, to which the father on Easter morning replied, no, love is stronger. You see, on that first Easter morning, God the Father showed the world that there is a love that is stronger than death. We see this all over the place in Scripture in the first Christians preaching, the way that they talked about Jesus. They made a point to say that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Why would they do that? Why does it matter that they did that? It's because of this. We're never meant to see Jesus as a sort of super Superman kind of figure. You know what I'm talking about in, in the movies? You've got Superman who goes up against the, the evil Lex Luthor and Lex Luthor pulls out the kryptonite and sticks it in front of, in front of Superman and, and Superman slowly feels himself fading. He's gonna, he's gonna lose. He's passing away. He's just about dead when suddenly he musters all the rest of his strength and gets himself back up, bursts free and saves the day. That's the Superman motif, but that's not what happened with Jesus. Okay, the writers of Christian scripture, the first preachers of Jesus, they want us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus did really die. He didn't mostly die, like, like in the princess bride, right? Well, he's mostly dead. No, he was fully dead. He was buried, gone. But scripture says that the father didn't abandon his son. God, our heavenly father, vindicates Jesus' faithful obedience by raising him from the dead. Listen to the preaching of the early church in the book of Acts. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. Paul went on to develop this line of reasoning, this line of thought, even further in his letters to the churches uh, that he started or that he was encouraging. And we see these all over in scripture. See, Paul understood that the resurrection of Jesus is not just good news for Jesus. In fact, it's good news for the whole world. 
I'm going to say that again because we really need to catch a hold of this, all right? The resurrection of Jesus is not just good news for Jesus. It's good news for the world. But you know, some, some of the Christians in Corinth, they weren't actually all that sure that Jesus dying and rising again was actually that necessary. You know, the, the, the Christians in, in Corinth were wondering to themselves, couldn't we just say that Jesus was a really good teacher and that he's with us spiritually? Do we, do we really have to accept that, that God came in human flesh and was fully God and fully man and that he actually died and then he actually rose again? Do we have to believe that? Why does it matter if Jesus actually raised from the grave? And in response to this, Paul gives us some of his clearest teaching on the resurrection. And today we're going to look very briefly at three observations from his response. This is what Paul wrote. He said, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. From this passage, Paul says at least three things to us, which we're going to look at now. The first is this. The resurrection is the defeat of death. The resurrection is the defeat of death. Can you imagine with me, just for a moment, being free from the fear of death? If death being out along the horizon was no longer something that caused fear to you. Think of it this way. How much fear in our lives, in your life, is related to fearing death and its finality? What if suddenly we could look the monster in the face and say to it, you have no power over me. I am not afraid of you. What would that mean for your life? How would that change how you live? What's so interesting is, is when we look throughout history at, at the, the tyrants and the despots that the world has known, the number one thing that they have done to secure their power is to wield the fear of death. To wield the fear of death. But if suddenly we're not afraid of death, if suddenly we say death is not the end, death has no sting, then the tyrant has no power. And we see this in the early centuries as, as the early Christians time and time again went up against Caesar after Caesar, ruler after ruler, who said, turn or we kill you. Reject Jesus or die. Said, serve our gods or we'll see if your God saves you. And what we see is time and time again, the early Christians said, Death has no power over me and went willingly to their earthly demise 
because they understood that death is not the end. Understanding that resurrection is the defeat of death is, is why it's so important to understand what really happened to Jesus. Losing our fear of death is why it's so important to understand what happened to Jesus. This wasn't a near-death resuscitation. In fact, in Scripture, a point is made of telling us that the Romans pierced his side and that blood and water flowed separately out from it. This was a medical note on the finality of his death. Jesus was killed by Roman soldiers, Roman executioners. This was their bread and butter. This is how they spent their lives, identifying death, drawing it out, and bringing it to completion. Scripture also makes it clear that the disciples were not hallucinating when they saw Jesus. He didn't just appear to one and then to another. He would appear to multiple people at the same time, and he did it at various times. What's more is, is his disciples didn't always recognize that it was even him at first. His body was the same, but they didn't expect him. He was gone. His body was similar physically, but now there were new spiritual qualities in it as well, like being able to pass through locked doors while at the same time still eating and, and having physical wounds. Why? Why are we told this? Why are we shown this? It's because we need to know that Jesus defeated death. He didn't just trick it. He beat it. He has victory over it. By the time that Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he was actually the last in a long line of witnesses to Jesus' resurrected reality. He said, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12th. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. This here is the second thing about the meaning and significance of the resurrection, and it's this. The resurrection is God's new beginning when all other possibilities have ended. When there is no hope, when there is nothing else left to do, when life is too messed up, when you're too far gone, the resurrection is God's answer to all the other possibilities being gone. Let me ask you, friend, do you need a resurrection in your own life? What things in your life are dead? What possibilities have ended? Where has your story gone off the rails with your children, in your marriage, in your relationship with God, in your relationship with your parents? Maybe you think that your legal troubles are the end of, of your future. Maybe you think that one mistake is now going to define you for the rest of your life. Maybe you don't want to think about these things because you figure, I can't change these things anyways, right? It's just going to be with me forever. And you know what? Yeah, there's an element of truth to that, that our mistakes do go with us through this life, but they don't have to define us. They don't have to define us. Because of Jesus, there is a possibility where previously there were none. 
See, friend, resurrection is a gift. It's something that is given to you and to me. It's just, it's just such a, a wonderful, it's such a, a marvelous thing that though things are so messed up, that Jesus' resurrection is given as a gift. You didn't earn it. Paul said, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. You need to remember, the resurrection of Jesus is not just good news for Jesus, it's good news for the entire world. And it's good news for you. What do we have to do to deserve Jesus' resurrection and the resurrection he offers to us? Nothing. What do we have to do to earn it? Nothing. What's amazing is that resurrection, the, the resurrection does not emerge from resurrection potential. Okay? You, you don't receive this from God because you somehow had the potential to receive it. No, he gives it to you as a free gift. Resurrection is not an achievement. No one raises themselves up from the dead, but everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life as a gift. Are you catching why this is such good news? See, one day all who are in Christ will be raised with glorious new bodies, bodies like Jesus. And, and you know, we don't even know that much about them. All we know is that they will be similar, but also radically different. But what we do know is that the resurrection life begins now. It begins now with a new life that God wants to give to you. Paul writes, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. The Holy Spirit who with the Father raised Jesus from the dead is bringing new life to you. The same love that didn't abandon Jesus to the grave will not let you go. He loves you with a love that is stronger than death. See, Paul finishes off Romans 8 with a powerful assurance to all who believe in Jesus. He says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, friend, because Jesus took on death and let it exhaust its power on him, death no longer has a say over you. It no longer has power over you. Because the Father in his love raised Jesus from the grave, vindicating his faithfulness and demonstrating his belief lovedness. You now have that life passed on to you. And now you can trust in the message of Jesus that, that there is hope, that there is forgiveness, that there is new life. And now for all who are in Jesus, nothing. And when I say nothing, I mean nothing, not even death can separate you from God's love. This is love. Will you join me in praying? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your marvelous love, for your powerful love, a love that goes beyond our imagining. And God, will you just fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit? Fill us with your love, your love for the world. 
a love so great that you would send your son to die for us while we were still your enemy. A love so great that you would overcome death for us. Fill our hearts with that love and lead us into your purpose for us in our community so we can see a world changed through the love of Christ. Will you continue all around this place, wherever you're at right now, bedrooms, living rooms, dining rooms, anywhere. Will you just continue to pray right now? And I just want to speak to anyone that as I was talking about Jesus throughout this whole message, really, about his, his gift for you, about the resurrection life he desires to give to you. If you were listening today and, and you believe what I said and there's something stirring in you, there's something moving in you and you're saying to yourself, I need this Jesus. I need this life. Yes, you know what? My, my life is messed up. It seems like there's no hope. I see brokenness everywhere, but I, I need this Jesus, and I believe that he can give me a a new chance, that he wants to bring me new life, that he wants to invite me into his life, that this is your opportunity today to take a step into the rest of your eternity with Jesus. I'm going to invite you to pray with me this morning or this evening or whenever you're watching this, a prayer that just gives God thanks and commits your life to him. So let's, let's all pray this together. Will you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that you are bigger than my sin. I give you my life. Please give me yours. Fill me with your love. By your Holy Spirit, fill me with life. I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me and you meant it from your heart, I want to let you know that you have just entered the family of God, that you have the new life of Jesus in you, in your soul, in your heart. Right now, you'll see in the chat that there is a a button coming up, giving you the opportunity to raise your hand and say, yes, I just gave my life to Jesus. Will you click that if you just did that so so you can just publicly raise your hand and you'll see when you do that, that, that a button comes up inviting you to let us know who you are. Just just privately send us your information so that we can get a Bible in your hand so that we can share with you next steps and help you get plugged in with the community of faith. If you're on Facebook or you're on YouTube right now, will you comment yes or send us a message that just says, yes, I'm giving my life to Jesus. You'll see there's a link right there down below you. You can click on that link and give us your information so again, we can send a Bible to you so that we can help you get started in this journey with Jesus that none of us are meant to go through alone. I just want to congratulate you today. Welcome to the family of God. I hope all of you will join us again next week for the finale of this series where we're talking about the fact that the love of Jesus is a love that makes all things new.